The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call, it may be a new year, but we're taking time out for one last look back at 2015. TV and radio personality Chris Van Vliet is here to break down the year in pop culture. From Caitlyn Jenner to the breakup of Benifer. Plus, he'll give us his thoughts on who might be taking home a Golden Globe this weekend. Plus, if you're like me, then you're always in the mood for a snack. We'll find out today what makes Mr. Nelson's cookies so yummy. That's what's coming up today on Kroll Call. Welcome to another edition of Crow Call. Happy New Year. Can we say Happy New Year? It's eight years or eight days. Eight years. That's a Freudian slip. It's eight days into 2016. I don't know if it's now taboo to say Happy New Year, but this is our first live show of the new year. So I think maybe I can let it slide and say Happy New Year. Thanks to everybody who is tuning in. I suspect that we have some new listeners. Thanks to uh, some crazy newspaper article about me that... uh, ran earlier in the week. I apologize in advance for those of you who think that today's show may be a little more frantic than usual. In the interest of disclosure, I have had both brown soda and jelly beans right before going on the air. Uh, Normally, I wouldn't do that. I, I mean, you might think that I would, but normally I wouldn't do that. The only reason that I had both the soda and the jelly beans, uh, can we be honest for a minute without in, in a judge-free zone here? Okay, great. So I had a box of jelly beans on my desk, and uh, I knocked them off of my desk, and I wanted to beat the five-second rule before uh, you know, I had to throw the jelly beans away. So I made a mad dash to pick up all the jelly beans. So I've had those. I've had some cherry Coke. I've got a whole bit of a, a sugar rush here, and hopefully I won't zone out and fall asleep before we get to Mr. Nelson's cookies later in the hour, because I think... That's going to be fun. I mean, who gets to talk about cookies as part of a job, such as it is? Uh, mentioned article in the paper about me. I will say that something has happened for the first time in all of these many years that I've been doing what I have been doing. I received an email marriage proposal from, well, someone who was exuberant, maybe we'll say. Uh, I may translate that to creepy. I think exuberant is French for creepy, possibly. Uh, Someone who just sent this all caps, no punctuation mark email to me, professing their undying love because of an article uh, about me in in a move here to Kroll Manor in the the new spot here. Uh, 
Very interesting. I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone else. I suspect that if anyone has gotten something like that, it will be my first guest this week. He's going to help me take a look back at everything that we were buzzing about over the last 12 months. Chris Van Vliet is a four-time Emmy winner. That's kind of amazing. He's an entertainment reporter for Deco Drive on WSVN Fox 7, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. In addition to the Emmys, he is also a film critic. He's a competitive fisher person. And I don't know what this means, but according to his Twitter profile, he is a high five expert. Chris, welcome to Crawl Call. Dan, I'm going to say it. Even though we're eight days in, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things that you shouldn't have a housewarming party. If you've been in a house for more than a year, it's either bad luck or bad taste or whatever it is. So I don't know how the new year works, but I think if you're doing someone, some, someone, if you're doing someone for the first time, that'd be a happy should, new year, right? <laughs> you know, uh, if you're doing somebody for the first time, uh, no, I mean, if, if you see someone for the first time in a year, you should probably say happy new year, even if it's, I don't know, July, uh, maybe. Really? I, I mean, I, the cutoff might be like this weekend. Like, I don't think next week. You can be like, hey, Happy New Year, everyone. Really? I don't know. Okay. Try it. Let me know what happens when you try it. (laughs) I think it's slapped. That may be, you know, like wearing white after Labor Day. So you're a high-five expert. Why are you a high-five expert? What is a high-five expert? Clearly, you've never high-fived with me before, but, uh, (laughs) you know, the the whole key to the high-five is looking at the elbow, right? And I, I just don't write in on that elbow, and there's, you know, great contact, great noise, so, uh, you know, why not put it as part of my bio? <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, uh, you did put the other stuff first, you know, the Emmy winning, and then the high five expert was at the end. So I get that. I appreciate, you know, I guess burying the lead or something here. <laughs> well, writing a Twitter bio is always so difficult because it's like, you know, do you want to be one of those people that's like, oh, look at all the great stuff that I've done? Or do you want to be one of those people that's just like, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just some guy. And then people can figure it out from your tweets what you're all about. So I think it's, it's you know it's it's difficult. It's a it's a weird balance. So I figured I'd throw some serious stuff in there with a little bit of humor as well. I'm looking to see in my Twitter Twitter profile which one I am. Blah blah blah. I think I'm more like you. Great, good. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that would have been really awkward if I was one of those lister. I mean, I, the good thing, Chris, is. I don't do anything and haven't gotten anything, you know, no Emmys, none of that. So there's really nothing to put. I have to sort of uh, embellish as I move along here. Come now. Come on. There's still time for all that. (laughs) Time is a ticking. But there is something. This is a great segue because there's something that has happened just a matter of a couple of weeks ago that is a first for you and in your extended group. Your mom and dad made their first TV appearance. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, so you know, the backstory on this is we have this cooking segment here on WSVN called Bite with Balkies. One of our anchors does this segment. And it used to be like they'd go to a restaurant and make the famous dish at that restaurant. It's now kind of segued, at least for now, into uh, one of the anchors or reporters will make their favorite dish and kind of show it off. I, I'm not the greatest cook, I will admit it. And my parents happen to be in town from Toronto. And I figured, well, if I'm going to be on this segment, uh, I'm bringing the family in with me to at least mask my terrible <laughs> cooking skills. So mom made her famous mac and cheese, and I kind of observed and pretended really well for television. So uh, people have been coming up to me, and they're like, oh, that mac and cheese you make, it looks so good. I'm like, yes, I am an expert at making this mac and cheese you speak of. 
Your mom didn't mind sharing this famous recipe with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands and possibly, I guess, if it's now on the Internet, millions of people? I'm going to be honest. I'm sure that at some point my mom found this recipe in a cookbook or something (laughs) and just wrote it down. So (laughs) this is not like a family secret that we're exposing here. Well, writing it down on your own, I think that qualifies as it being your own. Uh, Sure, sure. But yeah, this was my parents' first uh, television appearance, and they were super nervous. It was actually really fun to to watch that, you know, kind of all come together. My mom was like, they're not going to show too much of us, are they? I'm like, I don't know, Mom. It'll be fine. It'll be great. It's funny. Everyone, you know, that does any of this, radio or television for the first time, gets a little bit uh, just nervous about just the idea of it. I have to admit, even after doing it forever, there is always that moment of, of nervousness. I think someone had told me that I'm usually at my best when I'm at least somewhat nervous about what it is I'm about to do. I, and I can agree with that. And if you're not uh, at least excited or there's not a nervous energy about doing this, then maybe you're in the wrong business. <laughs> That's, uh, I might put that on my business card. Now, while your <laughs> mom and your dad were making their first appearance on TV, in 2015, womp womp, we said goodbye to a bunch of people, people who've been with yeah. us for quite a period uh, of time. The one that I'm thinking of most would be David Letterman, just sort of, a, I think, a changing of the guards. You, you think Jay Leno, you think Johnny Carson, you think David Letterman, and there's a whole crop of new people it was kind of sad when he signed off. Yeah, it was, it was like bittersweet, I feel like. Uh, and I also think that Letterman chose his timing right because late-night television, as you said, uh, with a crop of new people coming in, uh, there's a really new look to it, a new face to it. And I think Letterman was kind of realizing that uh, what Jimmy Fallon's doing is pretty awesome. And while there's yeah. always going to be those uh, David Letterman fans out there, uh, you know, what Fallon's doing is ushering in a whole new wave of how late-night television is going to be looked at. Um, so I think they chose their timing well. Uh, man, there's been a lot of changes in late-night television this year, but Letterman signing off in his final show was, you know, that, that's why we watch television, and it was amazing. Uh, it was exactly how it needed to be, and it was a perfect ending to, for a guy like that, a perfect career. You also have, I mean, John Stewart also stepped down. wasn't quite uh, as long a period of time, but in significance, he also sort of ranked up there. John Stewart has really changed a lot of of the way that I think people are approaching their sort of their late night TV shows. Yeah, and I think that uh, you, you know you, you, there wouldn't be shows like what John Oliver is doing now if it wasn't for what John Stewart did, basically taking real news and putting a satirical spin on it. So. I was surprised. I don't know about you, but I was very surprised when I heard that Jon Stewart was stepping down because uh, it's not like he had something else lined up that he was transitioning into. In, or same with Craig Ferguson, you know, another guy leaving uh, late-night television. It's not like uh, I'm leaving this to go do something or I'm leaving this to not do something. I thought the Jon Stewart thing, yeah, that really caught me by surprise. Do you think, Chris, on any level, a show like Seinfeld ended before a lot of people thought. Jerry Seinfeld said later that he wanted to go out while the show was still at the top of its game. Do you think there's anything to that? Uh, I mean, it, to me, it, it sounds like something nice to say. It's sort of fortune cookie uh, logic. Do you really want to go out while you're still good and people say, wow, you shouldn't have ended? I mean, I, don't, I, I, I see, I, sort of see it both ways. I, 
No, Dan, I think that you should go out while people are going to remember your best moments. Let's, let's compare this, let's parallel this to sports right now. Um, you know, Peyton Manning was not doing so well the last couple mm-hmm. weeks, and people were going, man, he's past his prime. He should have retired. He should have retired when, you know, when he was in the top. And his whole mantra is basically like, keep playing until you're not very good anymore. Keep playing until you suck. But I think the problem with that is if, if your show starts getting worse and worse or your talent as an athlete starts getting worse and worse, people are more likely to remember you for that than to remember you in your prime, whether it was five, ten years ago or more. Uh, so that's a very interesting question. Uh, I like the way Jerry Seinfeld did it. They went out on top. They went out when they were number one. And, uh, you know, they can always look back on that and know that they were the best when they went out. Do you think it's the same case with uh, – actually, there's, there's two sides to that. Do you think it's the same thing sort of with Mad Men? People are still buzzing and people are still sad that Mad Men ended. Is that a show going out on top? Is it a show that maybe ran its course? Yeah, I mean, and you hear the same, you know, discussion with the Breaking Bad. And I think that here's the thing we need to take into account when we're talking about a TV show is it's not just one more season. It's not like a sequel for a movie. We're talking about cranking out an entire new, uh, not just one more show, an entire new season here. You know, that's a lot of writing and a lot of storylines, a lot of characters involved. And if you don't think as a writer that you have, uh, or your team of writers, if you have enough content to fill that season, or if you think that the, um, the content that you're going to put out is going to be subpar, why would you do that? You know, and I think that uh, Mad Men making the right choice in doing that and going, our product's good, and if we keep going, uh, the product's just going to go you know, down from here. That does, as I said, there's another side to the pendulum. American Idol, while not 2015... <laughs> It did announce that it would be ending in 2016 with season number 15. I think that, you know, American Idol for me, I've watched. I will continue to watch this particular season as well. It's the last chance. I feel like if it were not for American Idol, none of these other shows would have come along to try to be like American Idol, which then ironically would not have led to American Idol needing to end uh, but I will also say there are some seasons, you know, they rattled off the 14 previous winners, and there are some where, even though I've watched every episode, it's sort of crickets and hoot owls and tumbleweed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we have to look back 14 years ago when Idol first came on the air, and the landscape of television uh, was vastly different at that time. And, uh, you know, where we are now, we're going back to these scripted shows being the number one show. You know, you look back. Uh, to when Idol started, and it was a revolution. You know, it, it kind mm-hmm. of ushered in the reality television era, along with you know Survivor, which had already been on the air at that point. Uh, you know, if you said to someone the top shows on TV, whatever that was, 14 years ago, is a singing competition, and then uh, you know sticking some people stranded on an island, and you're just going to watch, you know, that'll <laughs> blow your mind. Uh, but that was the case, and I've always said that if it wasn't for, um, or if the Voice happened to come out first instead of American Idol. I don't think Iowa would have uh, even stood a chance. You know, the, the way that the voice is set up is far more interesting than Idol, but, you know, with the way that it did uh, shake out, uh, if it wasn't for Idol coming first, the voice wouldn't have any success. Uh, the funny thing about Idol announcing its final season is you've got a lot of people going, well, that show's still on the air, because they're not, you know, making the superstars that they were making um, uh, in the first couple seasons. We're taking a look back at the year in pop culture just because this is our first show of the live 
uh, of the new year here. Chris Van Vliet is here. Chris, I do have to argue, though, slightly, maybe. The idea of the voice is that the voice is what matters. It's not the appearance. You have American Idol where the argument is that it's about the package and the voice and and, and the whole to-do. But you have people who are calling in and voting, you know, little girls going, I like this one. Um, And they're voting for the the cute guy. And that happened there for a period of time. Like the voice, the, the thing is, sure, maybe the person with the best voice wins. But at the end of the day, when they go into the real world, it's about a visual aspect, which is maybe why we don't have anyone from The Voice who's hit. And then American Idol... You have a couple of people who've really hit really well, and you have the others who were picked because they were cute, who don't have contracts or songs. Right, but you, you think back about the idol stars who really hit, and it was before the era of YouTube had really exploded. Mm. And I feel like YouTube—it's basically YouTube Idol. Uh, you know, if you if you prop your iPhone up on your desk and you sing into it, you, know, you have just as good a chance now to get discovered or to sign a record contract as you would have to go through uh, all the chains of going through American Idol and getting the golden ticket and going to Hollywood and that whole thing, uh, YouTube has vastly, vastly changed the landscape of not just singing, but, you know, think of all the comedians that have come out through there or all the, uh, well, we just call them YouTubers now or YouTube celebrities. Uh, and I think that that's another reason or another thing that Idol has to compete with. And, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the last megastar to come out of Idol. And with that said, this is what I do for a living. With that said, maybe it is time for Idol to you know, take its final bow. You've never heard me sing because I think I have an equal chance like on American to, Idol. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> or with a YouTube video. I have an equal amount of chance of becoming a star. <laughs> I will not be selling millions and millions of copies of an album the way Adele did with 25. Came out of, you know, four or five years or however it was, many years of like a retirement and has now sold more actual physical copies of CDs than anybody in the recent digital age. She's kind of amazing. Who does this in 2015 slash 16 selling four million copies of an album? It's unheard of. Oh, and all based uh, purely on talent, too. Uh, you know, Adele is a complete anomaly and just an insane talent. Uh, you know, the only other person that might come slightly close is Taylor Swift. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Taylor Swift is doing it not just on her voice, but also doing it on her stage show and on her, you know, uh, social media presence and everything else. More of that total package that you speak of. Whereas Adele is just old school, just, you know, plain talent. And, uh, what a year for her. Uh, congrats. And it's going to be great to see her go back on tour. And, wow, <laughs> crank out a lot of money through that. A lot of people are still very upset about the way that ticket sale went down. You know, People were camped out yeah. at their computers, ready to push the button at whatever o'clock the tickets went on sale. And it seems like nobody got tickets, but yet they've sold out. Well, I mean, what do you expect? You know, you could make the same argument for your favorite uh, uh, team going to the playoffs or something like that. Just because you camp out and, and try to get tickets doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get them. Um, but for those people that did get them, man, they are in for a great, great show. I'm in Philly. I will not be camping out for any playoff tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know that I could relate to that. But in theory, I understand what that means. In theory. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'm originally from Toronto, and when the Blue Jays were making their run there, 
I camped out on my computer to try to get World Series tickets, although it wouldn't have mattered because I didn't make it to World Series. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was like those Adele fans, you know, no luck for me. You know, it got me thinking here while we're talking about people who've become celebrities or unlikely celebrities. There was someone, or I guess better, something in 2015 that did become a, a runaway celebrity. It was the pizza rat in the New York subway. <laughs> I mean, what have we become that this is this is our new sort of our, our attention span of, you know, rats with pizza or you know, celebrities, people singing and just oh. in some ways with the little YouTube videos. We've become a very interesting society. So, cl- so glad you brought that up, Dan, because, uh, you know, I'm sure that rats grab slices of pizza or other food items all the time in New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just so happens that someone recorded it, uploaded it, and, you know, we live in this world where if a video is longer than 15 seconds, we're not interested. Well, that video yeah, dialed right into everything that we wanted to have in an <laughs> Internet video. It was short. It had a cute rat, uh, you know, a cute animal, and it was funny. And then, you know, it's, it's easy to share something that's only 15 seconds long. If I said to you, Dan, you've got to watch this video. It's amazing. It's four and a half minutes long. You'll watch the first 15 seconds, and you'll go, ah, ah I'm not so sure about this video, Chris. So that video <laughs> just, hit on, it just hit on all levels. And uh, I remember tweeting out, like, something along the lines of, uh, uh, rat does fairly common thing, which is exactly what happens in that video. But it's one of those things that's easy to look at. You know, and you can, it's easy to share and talk about it. It's fun. It's easy as long as it's not in your house carrying your pizza. That would be <laughs> That's very. My pizza rat. <laughs> uh, which, incidentally, there are rumors. I, I saw something come through my news feed that they're now saying that the pizza rat was a scam, as I think everything on the internet usually is. Oh. Um, they're yeah, saying it course. was a trained rat and, and it was all part of a, I don't know, some sort of publicity <laughs> stunt. I don't, those rats in New York City are pretty smart. So, you know, I, I'm going to say that that rat was legit. But, of course, everything on, uh, on, online is immediately fake. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Immediately, it's, oh, that's fake. Can't be A lot of people thought that the Miss Universe flub by Steve Harvey was fake and was part of a publicity stunt. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, if it was, then congratulations. You know, they did exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, if it wasn't, Congratulations anyway, because, you know, people are still talking about the Miss Universe contest. And I think that before that flub happened, uh, there's a lot of people that didn't even know that uh, Miss Universe was being crowned that night. So a really interesting moment. Uh, You know, of course, we're all thankful for the memes that came out of that, the Steve Harvey memes. But we've all made mistakes in, in, you know, in our daily lives, no matter what we do for a living. It's just a lot tougher when your mistake not only happens on live television, but then it lives on YouTube. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. Now, that does, you're talking about making mistakes for people who are in the media, people who are doing things live. I've done all sorts of things here and elsewhere, even on red carpets where you're like, oops, wish I could take it back, can't, sorry. There is the other side of reporting. It was something that uh, on the list of things that we were talking about, uh, what we would talk about today came up on your side. It was Charlie Sheen and his announcement that he's HIV positive. The thing that with that, his, his story to report, days before or the day before he made his announcement, there were already media outlets that were reporting his news for him. Yeah, right. I don't know. I, I felt very strongly, uh, even though he was going to announce it, there's the part of me that thinks, okay, this is his news to tell. This is his story to tell. 
it's not really anybody's place to do so before he makes the own uh, the announcement on his own. But I mean, I guess that's not the way that we operate anymore. Well, the interesting thing about that whole story is Charlie Sheen wasn't going to come forward with this news or come, you know, go public with this news at all uh, until he was basically blackmailed into doing so. And, you know, he admitted that on the Today Show that he had so many people that he was paying off and they just, you know, they kept asking for more and more money and more and more people kept coming forward. They had to eventually just, uh, you know, stop the bleeding and say, look, yes, I do have HIV. You know, you, you can stop blackmailing me. I've had it for several years. Um, Whatever TMZ does to get their news, and I assume a lot of it's done with a checkbook, uh, you know, they're very good at it. They're very good at, at getting uh, news. They're, they're very, very rarely wrong, and they often uh, you know, are the leading source for entertainment news. So whoever their source was and however much they paid that person, uh, you know, that's how they're doing journalism. That's not how you know, journalism is traditionally done, but that's how they're doing it. Uh, is it right? I don't know. Um, you know, they didn't say this is exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. It's like, well, according to our sources, uh, this is what we think is going to happen when Charlie Sheen makes this big announcement tomorrow. TMZ was also right about something else that uh, ended up being completely true. They were following around then Bruce Jenner everywhere and pretty much outing him as considering that um, he was undergoing a life change. It did turn out in 2015 that we found out we were introduced to Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, You know, for me, the Kardashian thing, there's a lot of of play in this. I think that, you know, had it not been part of the Kardashians, maybe no one would notice or no one would care as much. But that also works to the the plus side of bringing awareness to transgender issues. Where do we fall in on this, Chris? And it's it's been the biggest entertainment story of 2015, you know, without a doubt. It's something that transcended just entertainment news. It became headline news, you know, all around the world. And I think that you really hit on something interesting there, Dan. If he wasn't part of the Kardashian clan, of course, with two Ks, um, he wouldn't be that big of a story. It also wouldn't have been that big of a story if he wasn't, you know, the greatest athlete, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of all time at one time. Uh, you know, a super macho image now is, you know, a woman. Um, I think that there's been a lot of good that's come out of this, and it's created a lot of discussion, and it's opened a lot of dialogue. And, you know, congratulations to Caitlin. Uh, for being who she really wants to be. And uh, I'm sure that if she wasn't famous, this story, you're right, wouldn't have been anything at all. But she is famous, and she's using it as a platform for, you know, for good. And, uh, you know, so kudos to her for that. There's someone else who, I mean, when you talk about Bruce Jenner in terms of, of athletics and the Olympics, you know, right up there as one of the best-known U.S. Olympians of all time. Yeah. There's someone else who's extremely well-known, and didn't have the best year at all. We're talking about Bill Cosby. Um, you know, think of Bill Cosby. You can't help but think of of multiple things. You think of you know I Spy. You think of Jello Pudding, and you think of the Cosby <laughs> Show. And it's now, in, of course. And now in 2015, we are seeing or an alleged different side of Bill Cosby, and this has really thrown a lot of people for sort of a loop. Who don't understand how America's favorite dad could be someone possibly different in real life. And, and, you know, we still don't know what actually happened. Of course, you know, both sides are are, are saying what they're saying. Uh, But these allegations have been around for many, many, many years. And it wasn't until a comedian made it part of his routine that, like, basically joking around that 
hey, Bill Conby's raped a bunch of women and he gets away with it, that people start actually looking into this. And then more and more women kept coming forward. And, you know, just recently, right after Christmas, uh, the first charges came against Bill Cosby. going to be very, very interesting to see what happens uh, with that, because I feel like it's going to really set a precedent for uh, some of the other cases that are out there, or, or you know, maybe encourage women uh, that might have gone through the same thing themselves to come forward. But his legacy is completely tarnished, um, despite the fact that none of this has been completely proven, at least in the terms of a court, uh, to be true. But everything you talked about, you know, about the Jell-O pudding and the Cosby show, it's like that's out the window when you say his name. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there, there, uh, a lot of people have a lot of opinions strongly one way or the other. But to that, you know, taking all of, of this latest stuff out of the picture, it's always difficult when you wrestle with someone who's done such good who's you know, sure. donated a lot of money, and then you sort of have to grapple with maybe, possibly, that they were not uh, the person who you thought they were. And I, I think that, you know, particularly with celebrities, there are a lot of celebrities who we find out later maybe weren't the, the people that we, we thought they were. And that's always, uh, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the line of you have to remember that you know, acting is one thing and real life is another. Well, we all have this idea in our mind of any celebrity, you know, any celebrity you can think of. We all have an idea in our mind of who they are uh, to us or what they mean to us or what we think of when we hear their name. And uh, unfortunately uh, for Bill Cosby, you know, anything that we might have thought about that was positive about him uh, is, is gone. It's a shame. Uh, we talked about acting. We have to make a, a weird segue in the time that we have to talking about people who are being honored for their acting, who are, I guess, doing everything from playing really great people to yeah. really horrible people. Uh, the Golden Globes, <laughs> Sunday on NBC. Initially, what would be your thought if you had to bestow an award? What do you think was the best film of 2015? I think if we want to talk just in terms of an ensemble and just a great film, Spotlight is going to be honored a lot on Sunday. Uh, I think it's going to win for Best Picture Drama. I think it's going to win for screenwriting, and it should. And, and the ensemble there is just absolutely incredible. And it's, uh, you know, it's a really interesting story about uh, uh, newspaper in Boston, uh, Boston Herald, coming forward with the story about priests that had been uh, molesting children. And we go through the whole case from start to finish of them getting all this information together and then finally going public with it. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Spotlight should certainly be on your list of movies to see. It's always interesting in, in a weird sort of way when you look at award shows, particularly the Golden Globes, you have Spotlight, just talked about a very serious topic. It's nominated yeah. against Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And the Golden Globe Globes have very interesting categories because, of course, they have best picture comedy or musical, and you've got you know movies like The Martian in there, yeah. uh, Enjoy, which uh, sure there were some laughs in those movies, as you know, laughs in a lot of different movies. But if <laughs> if I asked you what your favorite comedy was of the year, and you said The Martian, <laughs> I would laugh at you, right? <laughs> like that's the joke. And the, yeah. and the the funniest thing about that is The Martian's going to win that category too. I think. <laughs> I don't know how. I mean, oh, I don't know. I, I saw that too, and I went back and checked a couple of different places because I thought for sure that had to be some sort of weird typo. There was no way that The Martian was a comedy, but I guess it is. But I, it's just, it's however the movie studio positions it for the awards, and, you know, it just kind of goes from there. And obviously, The Martian 
has has enough comedy in it that they thought they could consider it as a comedy. So I'm going to say congrats in advance because the movie's going to win. <laughs> okay, well, I'm breaking this down. That is your prediction. You know, it occurred to me, though, that Orange is the New Black is also one of those shows. It originally was in the drama categories. Now it's in the comedy categories. And it's interesting that we are in a point now where there are shows or even movies that can be considered both, that they sort of skirt the line between drama and comedy, and then you don't know what to do with them after the fact. Where do you put them? Yeah, and I mean, I think that this, the Golden Globes are always very interesting. You know, it's fun to watch because it's the one awards show where the, everyone in the audience, uh, you know, has a couple drinks and it makes things very interesting. Um, but in terms of the categories that uh, the Golden Globes has, yeah, you're right. It's, it's interesting because you've got best actor comedy and you've got like Al Pacino for Danny Collins. Sure, there were some funny moments in it, but I wouldn't call that a comedy, you know? Who do you think will win in some of the big categories. These are all selective, but we'll do maybe best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama. Do you have anyone in there that you think uh, sticks out more than the others? Um, best actress would be... I think, I think that Kate uh, Blanchett, I think, stands a very good chance in that movie and or in that category. She was... She was very, very good. Brie Larson also for Room. Um, Room is, you know, an incredibly difficult movie to watch at times, but uh, Brie Larson is just great in that. So that's, that's going to be an interesting category to see how that one kind of shakes out. It seems from all of the talking heads who've had their ideas, they seem to think that for actor, motion picture drama, it's Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Uh, other nominees are Will Smith, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brian Cranston. Do we think that yeah, it, I mean, it's a fair going conclusion? Eddie Man, I think Eddie Redmayne was good in this, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, this is his year. And, you know, he's been nominated, you know, five times. Uh, you know, I think this is finally his year. This is his best performance ever. The Revenant is an incredibly uh, cinematically beautiful movie, and he does a, an amazing job in it. So, as much as I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Redmayne wins. I think it's going to be DiCaprio's night. Do you think there will be any, in your opinion, are you predicting any surprises or upsets? So here's, here's one, of, one of my big surprises, and I'm really pulling for this to happen. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is nominated mm-hmm. for Creed, and I, I thought he was so good in this. I mean, and if he wins, I think that that would be a nice little cherry on top. So I think he has a good chance to win. I'm pulling for him to win, and I'm hoping that when the Oscar nominations come out next week, that he gets an Oscar nomination, that he deserves for this. And I believe this will be history. Uh, I believe it will make history because I think he'll be the first actor to be nominated twice for playing the same role. Of course, he got nominated for playing Rocky Balboa in Rocky in 1976. I'm hoping so. Certainly the Philadelphia ties here, but uh, also was a fan of, of... Michael B. Jordan, uh, going all the way back to his days of All My Children, now he's, you know, beating up people in the ring. What a long way he's come. Chris, I have to ask you, 2016, any movies that are coming up in the year ahead? I mean, we'll have you back before then, but anything coming up in the year ahead that you're looking forward to? Oh, man. I, you know, I, I have seen, we're going to just talk real, real short term here. I have seen The Revenant. It's finally opening wide uh, this weekend, uh, and I'm, I'm super excited for The Revenant to finally be opening wide because um, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. And, uh, and I'm, I'm super stoked about 
uh, everyone can finally see DiCaprio's performance here, which I think will earn him that Oscar. We'll have to see. That is your prediction. Also, before we let you go, have you made any New Year's resolutions? Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Not, not really. You know, I just, I just try to every day, you know, not be a terrible person. So I guess I'll just, you know, keep continuing to do that, I, I guess. And, uh, you know, try not to eat as much pizza as I eat. That's about it. I vowed not to eat jelly beans off the floor, but we're only eight days in. Wow, it's too late for that, yeah. It's, it's already over. Chris, how can people keep up with you? Where can they find you on, on all of the wonderful social media platforms and other places? Yeah, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's just my name, Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. And uh, yeah, come give me a like or a follow and uh, I'll do the same for you. Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out. Maybe we'll have you back for when we get closer to Oscar time or all sorts of other fun things. Sounds great. Dan, thank you so much uh, for having me on. We have to take a quick break, but on the other side, we're going to be talking about cookies. I mean, what more could you want from your day? Stay tuned. We'll be back with more of Kroll Call. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Kroll Call. In case my eating jelly beans off the floor was not enough sweetness for one day, we are now going to talk about something that just is bringing a smile to my face. On a more serious note, before we get to that, you may have read recently that the FDA has revised its guidelines for all of the things that you should eat. The new guidelines, they have recommendations on how much or how little, I guess, added sugar should be in your diet. Of course, there are also some recommendations that you should eat more fruit and vegetables in your diet. But there's one shocking omission from the FDA's new guidelines that I thought we really needed to talk about. So we're going to do so right now in this segment. Francis Nelson Beebe is a formally trained chef who believes, and rightly so, I think, 
that chocolate chip cookies should be one of the four major food groups. I don't know what the other three are. I can only really come up with chocolate chip cookies, perhaps maybe uh, some brownie brittle and water and, and, I don't know, a banana or something. But I want to find out what he thinks. <laughs> Francis, welcome to Crawl Call. And Dan, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a genuine pleasure to, uh, to be part of you or uh, your, your show. And just to, just to add to that, you know, I actually have my opinion on the other three food groups. And I'm not sure the FDA or the USDA would actually agree with me, but, but I actually, I, I love uh, Hebrew national hot dogs that are just off the uh, grill. That would be probably number two mm-hmm. after chocolate, my chocolate chip cookies. Next would probably be Long Island steamed clams would probably be number three. And then probably the last would be the original McDonald's French fries. You know, so uh, that having been said, I'm not exactly the poster child of probably what the, you know, the four food groups are, but, uh, you know, they, that's what they are from my perspective. And, of course, you're absolutely right. It is the USDA, not FDA. I, have, I don't believe in either of these. But I have to go back to something that you had mentioned, the original McDonald's French fries. See, I suspected that the fries have changed in, in my many, many moons of being here on the earth. The fries are different, aren't they? And they are. And, and, I, and I'm certainly not an expert other than what I, what I grew up with. And I'm significantly your senior, I'm sure. Uh, but what I grew up with uh, versus what's there now, I'm sure they're much more healthy for me. And because of that, my body's happier. Uh, <laughs> but from a, a taste standpoint, um, I, I'm, I'm sure there was a difference in the, uh, in the fat that was being used. And, and if I were to say what, it, what I thought it was, I would be talking out of school and candidly mm. without any authority to do that. But I do believe there was a, uh, a different fat use that, at least to my taste buds, uh, or it was a bit better. See, I, I think that too. So now that you've mentioned that you, you don't want to be talking out of school, let's talk in school because I think that everyone who is listening is probably wondering, okay, so who is this man and why is he all about the chocolate chip cookies? So let me give you the opportunity to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got to being Mr. Chocolate Chip Cookie. Well, thank you very much, and and it's it's an interesting story. Uh, you know, I actually it's a it's a story of personal reinvention, and again, a passion for the making the perfect chocolate chip cookie. It actually uh, my I came right out of uh, graduate graduate school and went to work for a very large consumer product company located in Cincinnati, and I was there well over thirty years. And I retired, and then went to your point uh, to the Cordon Bleu. You know, I'm actually a Cordon Bleu trained chef. Oh wow! And and uh, I did it for family and friends. And uh, and uh, let me tell you something. You know, I have respect for all the people that wear the tall hat in the kitchen because it's it's tough training. Uh, but that having been said, I am a formally trained chef and uh, classically trained. And uh, so with that, I uh, actually retired. And uh, I did things that retired people do. And then about three years ago, uh, I said I can't agonize over a four-foot putt the rest of my life. And uh, I was a single parent uh, for many, many, many years. And my son and his buddies actually just loved chocolate chip cookies. They would eat anything, Dan, they would eat anything short of a road patch, you know? So I literally went through hundreds of recipes and my recipe actually ended up being kind of almost a Frankenstein-esque in terms of putting it together. And I just put it in my back pocket. It wasn't being selfish. I just never thought about it put it in my back pocket, but it was an incredible, incredible recipe. And so with that, 
I started thinking about what am I going to really do the rest of my life? I'm um, I'm actually uh, 67 years old, and I feel like I'm 45. Uh, and I said, you know, uh, I don't want to turn around at 75 and, and ask myself, what if? So I'm going to start a cookie company, and it's going. I'm going to be a one-trick pony. And and my dad said that's okay. Just want to make it a good trick. And I'm going to be a one-man show. So I literally am the only employee. I make 24 dozen perfect chocolate chip cookies a day, four days a week that ship over the United States. I've been live about 16 months now. I've had a, you know, really a, an excellent following, a lot of chocolate chip devotees out there. Each cookie weighs a couple grams under a quarter of a pound apiece. It has three levels of chocolate in it. It has a vanilla that's the only exclusive to my cookie. And uh, uh, if food can be platonic, I think my cookies are pretty close to it. So the, the cookie actually came out of uh, actually when I was a single dad and then uh, put it out of my back pocket. And uh, I found out that uh, a lot of people really like uh, what I've created. I have to tell you, if folks, while we're talking, you can go to MrNelsonsCookies.com. I'm a little nervous here. There's a countdown in the top uh, part of the, the website. <laughs> it's making me very anxious. I'm watching it tick closer to zero, and we talked about it being our, our first show of the new year. This, this countdown is making me really nervous. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dan, don't be. What it, what it basically says, again, I told you, I'm a one-man show. And it just tells you how many days are left to the next production day. So if you were to go online, as you're looking at that website, you can see that there's X number of, of dozens available and X number of half a dozens available. And when it's done, it's done. And if you were to look at the calendar down at the bottom, you'll see that there's actually cookies with X's through them, uh, slashes through them, rather. And this that is scary. That, I'm all sold, that means I'm all sold out. Oh. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of harkens back to the whole uh, soup Nazi thing, I guess. No cookies for you, but, I, but I'm trying to do it in a benign way in the sense that uh, I can only make 24 perfect dozen, uh, 24 dozen perfect chocolate chip cookies a day. So, uh, you know, with that, uh, when the last uh, cookie is bought, that's when the calendar is populated uh, with a cookie with a slash to it, and that calendar uh, the countdown that you're seeing at the top basically says this is how much left to the uh, the next production day. Okay, so this is really twofold for me, but one of my fears has actually been uh, sort of taken away. I saw the countdown. That was making me nervous. Then I looked at the bottom <laughs> and saw these cookies with the slashes. I thought that was like, don't eat cookie day. It just turns out. <laughs> You know, it's like a no smoking sign. I thought, oh my gosh, I, I've had a cookie today. Uh, I've also had jelly beans love, and brown soda. I love your soda. sense of humor. That just means that uh, that this guy is—he's uh, got all the cookies he can uh, he can he can put out. And because uh, I I uh, I taste every batch, and on on the box, uh, my my label actually has my signature, and that says that from my perspective, from a taste and texture standpoint, it's as, it's as good of a cookie as I'm capable of making. You know, so uh, uh, I, that's, that's uh, the way of telling people that uh, uh, I, can, I can do that and do no more, though. I like this idea. I think, uh, again, not to put words in your mouth, but if for some reason, you know, you needed a tester, um, I would be more than happy, I mean, to, to uproot my life and come out <laughs> and taste the cookies for you, if ever, if ever you needed it, um, you know, I, I think that that could be 
uh, it's a very serious business for me to taste cookies. Well, well, Dan, you know, the, 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 actually the story, you're, the story on you, as I've heard, is you're probably one of the most selfless people that, on this earth. And this just validates what you're willing to do in terms of a sacrifice. You know, and I, I have a short list, and i like to know that I can put you on that if I need a taster. And if, uh, you know, if need be, and if I perhaps win the Powerball, I will even buy my way to the top of that list if I need to. (laughs) I figured with $800 million, I should at least be able to work my way up to being, you know, second in line for official uh, Mr. Nelson's cookie taster. Just a thought. Absolutely. And with your personality, I don't even think you need that much money. I, well, that's probably with the odds of what one in two hundred ninety some million. I think. Yeah, it's a I, good I think thing. I saw that too. Was the odds? <laughs> the odds of getting hit by lightning was nine hundred and sixty thousand. Yeah, I don't. I don't want them. I, I'd rather them give me something else, like my odds of of, of yeah. having triplets or something, or my yeah, odds. It seems, of, it seems uh, a little draconian, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it, it's just interesting <laughs> to me that they always will take the winning of the Powerball and tell you that your odds of really horrible things are much more likely to happen. I don't want to know that. I want it to be. You know, what are the odds of a Publishers Clearinghouse showing up at my doorstep and giving me the big check? <laughs> That's what I want to hear. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I will put you on the spot because this is what I, mean, I sort of like to do here on the show. I like to put people in really uh, fun but difficult situations. If, sure. Francis, you could never eat another chocolate chip cookie ever again, this would be, I mean, a horrible, horrible world to live in. But do you have a distant, far distant second cookie? I'll tell you mine are oatmeal raisin. Just putting it out there. Well, it's interesting you say that, and the answer is I, I would have to uh, uh, read out of the same hymnal as you're reading, because for what it's worth, 90%, uh, 90% of all people like cookies, uh, and there's dietary reasons for the other 10%, mm-hmm. and some people just don't like the taste, but of that 90%, 60 to 65%, their number one cookie is chocolate chip. Their second is oatmeal at 15%. Big distance, but that is the number two cookie is, uh, is is oatmeal. So if that were the case, now there would be serious withdrawals, Dan. But mm-hmm. if that were the case, you know, uh, I'd, I'd have to uh, uh, we'd have to fight over that box of oatmeal raisin. Yeah, uh, I'm, and I know I'm thinking you've got me trying to figure out what else could possibly be on the list, but I guess it's probably a hodgepodge of Christmas cookies and... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it gets, it gets, there's a lot of, there, 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 it gets splintered. Like I said, when you figure the distance second is 15%, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, that, that's a, that's a big gap. When you figure, I, I, I think I've, I've read this, that the number one cookie uh, off the shelf is Oreo. No big surprise to anyone. No, at Bisco. Yeah. Uh, the second most is also Nabisco is actually Chips Ahoy. Hmm. And, you know, so that kind of, you know, that kind of validates. Uh, then after that, it, you know, it's all kind of, uh, it's kind of mongrelized, if you will. And, uh, and I, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough not to, tough not to like a cookie, you know. I mean, uh, I think it's interesting. I, I was chatting with someone not too long ago, and they, and they said, what? why chocolate chip cookies? Why chocolate chip cookies? I mean, you know, not me personally, but just in terms of, America's love affair, and if you have a minute, I you know I I start thinking about that, and I I, I think I think it's probably there's there's two 
you know, there's two answers to that. One's a, a physiological answer, and the other's a psychological answer. And and the, the physiological answer, I think, is that magic combination of, of butter, or flour, or brown sugar, mm-hmm. or vanilla, or chocolate chips that, you know, it's called cookie dough, you know? And, uh, you know, gosh, they've You've seen it in ice cream. You've seen it in all kinds of different iterations, but people just like the taste of actually raw cookie dough. But I think the stronger one is a psychological thing. And I think, you know, if, if the chocolate chip is uniquely American, and, uh, you know, and, and, and I'll get to that in just, uh, just a second, but it, it's that, it's that no matter how bad of a day you had on the schoolyard, you know, no matter if there was a bully that was pushing you around, that you came home and short of the dog meeting you at the door and being, being your friend, that unconditionally, that there, that was your mom or your dad, your aunt, your grandma, whatever, there was just chocolate chip cookies available. And there mm-hmm. was, it was, it was almost the quintessential comfort food of childhood. You know, and I, and I think, you know, as you kind of, you know, think about that, it's almost like the Vaseline on the lens, if you will, about, you know, just, you know, there's really not a bad chocolate chip cookie. And then you find a better one or a better one or a better one. But but I think that it's just a strong pull. And it's, it's so funny because it was all done by accident that in the 1930s, there was this, this gal named uh, Ruth Wakefield. And she lived in uh, Whitman, I think it was Whitman, Massachusetts. And her and her husband had a restaurant. There was a, an old toll house. And as you remember, I, I think I, I heard you mention Philadelphia earlier that, uh, you know, of course, a lot of toll roads in the, in the mid-Atlantic states and the Northeast. And this was an old toll house that they had built or bought, rather, and turned into a restaurant. And apparently she was quite a restaurateur, quite a cook. And uh, you can't make this up. You're going to love this. That, that she uh, was always inventing new desserts. And uh, for her patrons, and this dessert that she was creating, uh, she actually used baker's chocolate and uh, in the dessert to flavor it with chocolate. Well, she didn't have that, but she had a bar that it, that a friend had given her, and I'll tell you who the friend is in just a second. That she chopped up. It was it was semi sweet chocolate, and she put it into her cookies, and she expected the same result as the as the uh, baker's chocolate. What happened, however, is the chocolate didn't melt. And as a result, she created the first chocolate chip cookie by mistake. And, uh, and oh, by the way, that candy bar that was given to her was given to her by a man by the name of Andrew Nestle. And again, <laughs> you, you, you can't make uh, this stuff up. You yeah. can't. So, I want to make sure... So, as we reach to the end of the show, and we only have a, about a minute or so left, I want to make sure yeah. that we let everyone know where they can go to get your Absol- cookies. Absolutely. It's, it's www. Mr. M.R. Nelson's, with an S on the end, N-E-L-S-O-N-S, cookies, with an S on the end, dot com. So, www.MrNelsonsCookies.com. That sounds like a plan. And, of course, if you out there didn't get to write that down, if you're driving or listening somewhere and, and don't know what the address is, we are going to be sharing all of that on our Twitter account, at Curl Call Show, and, of course, on our website at CrollCall.com. Francis, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to talk about cookies because, I mean, oh, it's like a dream come true. It's such a delight, and, and I'm most appreciative of your time and that of your listening audience. All right, gang, we are out of time for today, but I want to thank all of my guests this week, of course, to Chris, to Francis. If you want any of the additional information that we talked about, please head over to our website at crollcall.com. You can also listen to any show that we've ever done on demand 
completely for free. We also have instructions of how you can get the podcast for free on iTunes. Until next time, everybody, remember, the next time the phone rings, pick it up. It could be somebody offering cookies, or it could be the Kroll Call. We reach a higher, higher, higher. 